Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, guys? Welcome into today's OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are going to quickly transition for today's show uh, off of the uh, normal setup. Again, we have some of these Twitch shows. I think the information that comes out in these Twitch shows is really, really quality stuff that I want to share. So we are going to jump over uh, to, to that conversation with Fred Greetham, uh, Corey Kennan, who's new with us at the OBR. You've heard Corey on this podcast before, and Ian McBride is the host. A lot of good topics leading up to the Combine, where we have Fred live, uh, who we will check in with later in the week, and also our own Brad Stainbrook is there as well. So keep your eye out for information from those guys at the Combine this week. Otherwise, not much uh, out there for the Browns. It just sounds like, according to reports, again, so always, it always seems like these are the reports you get. Baker Mayfield's ahead of schedule for the for the rehab of the shoulder. That's uh, I mean it's good to hear, but not uh, not at all unexpected. And then just some rumblings about David Njoku's contract potentially reaching the double digit millions. So that could mean a franchise tag if the Browns are ready to put down that kind of money. We'll just have to see sort of what what those numbers look like because tight end numbers start to get real dicey real quick between guys like the Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard's. Uh, George Kittle's at the top, and then a, a real steep fall-off, but guys in the top 15 have tied in money because certain players like Darren Waller and some of those have not been paid yet. So we'll have to see where Njoku shakes out. Anyway, let's get over to today's Twitch replay, where I think there's some really good content here. And uh, I will not check in at the end of this. We will sign out with the end of the show. There is a dueling Twitch uh, mock draft set up coming at you tomorrow, 7 o'clock. I will be hosting that, so check that out for your Tuesday night entertainment. I'll have that in podcast form as usual. So over to tonight's OBR Twitch Monday Night Show. We're going to bring in Jake Burns. Jake, welcome to the show. Uh, up, fresh guys? from putting uh, his his wonderful son down. Uh, <laughs> I will not be uh, be like Stephen Thomas and refer to him as a little terrorist. Uh, he is... He is a very very nice little boy. Um, yeah, we have, There's nothing wrong with little, that. Okay, he's he's got <laughs> something. Uh, Ty Sox actually asked a question. I think would be great uh, to throw to you. So let's just jump right into that. Uh, we were talking about Christian Watson from North Dakota State. Is route running a skill that can be learned for a wide receiver, or is it something that is more intuitive? Um, good question. Yeah, I think you can develop some little parts of it. Right, like you can get tips from from players that have been around the league. You can. You know, that was the thing with, with Jarvis and Odell was two pretty good route runners, right? How they can help expand a lot of what you do with little little tiny gadget parts of uh, of, of the position, you know, where to place your body weight, how to get uh, how to set up a second move, how to get off the line of scrimmage against a certain type of press, because there's there's definitely varying types of press. So it is definitely, in my opinion, an innate thing, the core of it, right? The ability to just feel comfortable doing a broad variety of things. But you can learn little bits and pieces. A wide receiver coach obviously helps here. You know, you get in the NFL, you're not running, you're not your wide receiver coach isn't teaching you how to run a post, right? Or something like that, or run a hitch. You have a general feel for that through your years of playing football. This is the this is doctorate level stuff here. So you're just getting little tricks of the trade, like doctors sharing secrets with other doctors about how to improve their portion of what they're doing. So um I don't necessarily think you can 
turn yourself into a below average to great guy, but you can tear up a level, right? Like if a guy has some sense of a route tree that's pretty solid, you get some tips and tricks, some 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 things that develop at the NFL level. You get even, you know, these guys are young, man. Like, you know, they're 21, 22 years old. You get to 25, 26 in your prime. You get a little faster, hopefully. As you reach that peak athletic age, you can get a little better at those things. But, you know, for the most part, a guy has what he has. And you can think about broad little pieces uh, here and there. I would never – there are guys who have done this. There's obviously – a group of guys who have who have done this but if you're banking on every guy well he's a below average route runner you know with 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 an nfl route tree but i think he can get to be really good and eh, that's just a that's just a gigantic leap of faith so uh, i think you can improve many aspects of that position route running being one of them but the level by which you improve is probably incremental if that makes sense yeah it makes sense. I was, let's, let's, oh, sorry i was actually just about to throw it to you okay i was i was actually just going to add that that you have to look at like the amount of fluidity in their hit as well. So like Christian Watson, Watson was the guy I brought up. So Christian Watson shows a great deal of wiggle in the open field when he has the ball in his hands, his ball carrier. He has a really good ability to stop on a dime, make guys miss in the open field. So I would say Christian Watson absolutely has, has hips that would, that would tend to, to allow him to improve significantly as a route runner. Conversely, if we want to talk about maybe somebody else, like look at Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think is a good convert. He's another one of those bigger frame kind of guys. DPJ kind of has some stiffer hips. So I think there's there's definitely a, a lower ceiling for DPJ as a route runner than there would be for a Christian Watson, even though they're, you know, Watson 6'5", probably 6'4", more like it. But um, just the amount of ability to sink his hips, move his hips, um, is really going to lend a hand when it when it comes to to learning how to run routes as well. Yeah, I think certainly a lot of it is, you know, when you get somebody like a Christian Watson who at the FCS level is just so much more athletically gifted than the players he's playing against, you know, sometimes he's not asked to do the things that other wide receivers would be asked to do because, you know, he's so good at these one or two things that North Dakota State didn't feel the need to have him do anything else. So uh, it, these, it's I agree with Jake is that it's not something that you're completely um, – you're not something you're not going to go from zero to a hundred on it. Um, but like Corey said, there are signs of how you can turn into a good route runner, even if it's not put, something put, you're asked to do at the college level. Put it this way, Ian like the thing that you're tasked to do in scouting is these guys do it year round. Maybe we jump in, um, you know, maybe you jump in and get some things late from a guy, but like what we do mostly is we watch our team in season for the most part. And then we look at some games and we make assumptions, right? What these guys who do it year round are doing is building on years of guys, right? They build out databases. So their challenge is not what they see on film. Most of these guys who do it for a living can look at the film and see those things. What they're looking for is where do they, what can they do that the film doesn't show they can do? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like their job is not to look at things that are bluntly obvious, but to look at things and say, hmm, he doesn't necessarily have outside snaps as many as we would like. Can he do this stuff that's required from an X receiver down the field? Can he do these things? That's what scouts are paid for. They're paid for understanding the personality of guys, understanding whether they translate into your system, your locker room, and what can they do that the film doesn't necessarily show. If you just were bringing guys in to do the identical thing they did in college in the NFL, there would be far less hits. 
but the college game is still vastly different, generally speaking, because of the hash marks, because of the space available, because of the athlete range that you can do different things that you can't do in the NFL. So what you have to do is pull guys in and understand maybe they didn't show this at college, but the traits they have, Corey's talking about hip fluidity, many other things, right? Contested catch, uh, the ability to uh, absorb contact at the catch point, so many different things. And this is just wide receiver speaking. There's a ton of positions out there that you're obviously looking at. Can they do this other thing that we're going to also need them to do? You know, if a guy wasn't a two gap player as a defensive tackle, can he come in and in two high situations where we want to play cover two and cover four? Can he be a two gap player to make sure our run fits work? He doesn't do that on college state, but I think he's got this ability if we show him how to do X, Y, and Z. Maybe he was a, a, a nose in college. Can he come in and be a shade? Can he control one gap here? Uh, basically, instead of being a two-gap guy, can he be an actually dominant one-gap player for us in our uh, our heavy single-high personnel? So that's the stuff, right? The stuff that you have to figure out as an NFL scout. A, things we aren't privy to, the personality, the people, all of that. And B, they're knowing exactly what the system they want to implement or are implementing or pegging, or pegging guys into and then pulling traits that maybe we are not necessarily looking at because we don't know that, hey – Andrew Barry's told all of his wide receiver scouts that this is the MO for the guy I want in this draft. Find me the guy who fits this. And that's what they're looking for. So it's a little challenging to do what we try to do, but we try to paint the picture. Um, but, but that's kind of trying to broad, broad paint a, a bigger, a bigger thing here with, with scouting and all of it that leads into now, this is the easy stuff, right? Pulling the data and Hey, a guy ran a 40 in this time, a guy ran the shuttle in this time. This is the easy stuff. The hard stuff has been done by now. They have a core group of guys they're looking at, They'll disqualify some guys based on this testing data or they'll qualify them. You know, hey, maybe this guy was on the outside looking in, but hold, hold on a second. He just ran the 40 and 445. We're going to have to have a different conversation. Maybe the, the speed is a little better than what we thought it was or so on and so forth. So that's just kind of like trying to paint the picture of broad scouting in the NFL and how it differs from what some of us try to do, uh, which is very – Year to year, right? Very year to year and time, Chris. We have lies. This isn't our full time yeah. job, right? So that's that's another element to it. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. I think a lot of people, you know, when we're talking about this year's prospects, we only start thinking about them this year and what did they do this previous season uh, when uh, it's they're the the uh, NFL teams are looking at the whole picture. They're looking mm-hmm. at you know the the entire career of them, and they've had these guys on the radar for a lot longer. Question from AF Pierce in the chat. I'm going to reframe this a little bit. Um, so he, he, he asks about what, who's the one guy you can't pass on. And I'm going to throw this to you, Fred. I'm going to reframe it a little bit. How, how do the Browns approach some of these players uh, at the combine? Or how do you think they will approach some of these players at the combine that are expected to be off the board? You know, that those top guys, the Derek Stingley, the uh, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau. How, how do the Browns approach them? Now, when they're picking at 13, there's always a chance they fall. Do they spend a good amount of time on those players or do they kind of stick to the people who are expected in their range? Uh, you're muted, Fred. Oh, I'll try to take this one. Um, and then we can try is Fred off. Is he good now? He hears Fred. I don't know what happened. That's strange. Uh, I read lips. He can hear us, but we cannot hear him. It's all good. I'll, I'll try to answer here. this, and then I'll throw it to Corey, and then we'll see if Fred can, can circle back. So so would you be interested to see who is the one guy you can't pass on if he falls to pick 13? Um, That's a good question. I haven't really thought of that question. Corey, have you thought of that question? If Is there a guy that is realistic to fall there? 
Corey is being like, we can't hear anybody right now. What's going on? Oh, there we go. Okay, my bad. Andrew Booth is really good. Andrew Booth is tremendous. And for some reason, people have him fallen into like the 20s to the 30s. Um, So if he's there at 13, you're taking him no matter what. No matter who's on the board. Here's the thing. No. Like, I don't know. As good as some of these dudes are, like even a a Kayvon Thibodeau, who people are like, oh, this guy might fall. I mean, depending on free agency as well, it is really spicy to pass on a wide receiver. Like really spicy, no matter who's on the board to pass on a wide receiver, in my opinion. Um, Carl Loftus is is very interesting. Ojabo, very interesting. Um, but pending free agency, man, it <laughs> another year of passing on wide receivers is 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 not pretty, in my opinion. It's hard. Like, it's hard. I hear a lot of people talk about this about defensive end, and like I get it, but you're not you're not okay. <laughs> I don't think that you have to spend an early pick on a wide receiver to hit on wide receiver. That point doesn't miss me, but how, I don't know how you can watch last year and feel comfortable with them passing on a wide receiver. And I don't even care if they go sign the best of the class of not getting Devonte Adams, but the, whatever guys are ranked ahead of that Allen Robinson, even the like DJ shark and, and uh, Christian Kirk are like in the fifties for pro football focus. So, like, I don't know who's out in front of them a little further. Like, I think Allen Robinson, and I might be missing one other guy. But Godwin's probably there, but injury. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good point. Good point. Great point. Yeah, so Godwin's there, too. Like, I just – it goes beyond the quarterback to me. Like, you just have to get better at this position. And even if you have to supplement a a defensive end who's maybe not Miles – or, sorry, not Jadevian Clowney and not – you know, some other stud that maybe wanted to sign in free agency. I'm not sure who, who else that would be, but like, um, yeah, whatever, who's, who's the Chandler Jones or something. I don't know. What I'm saying is you still have ways to manipulate pressure, to create pressure, and you still have ways to, to get this 95 guy free a lot. And you can still get by like, to me, just wide receiver is such like a mesh of really good player and really, a huge need that that, that, this doesn't come around all the time and and thinking it's best to go in a different direction. there, barring some big trade for Amari Cooper or something. Like, I just don't understand how that could be the thought process. I really, I really don't, but but I could be totally off on this for all I know. I I mean, it, it, it's, it's such an awkward year, I think in terms of the receivers that are available um, in in free agency and in trades, Uh, not because there aren't receivers, but because the best ones have these huge question marks, you know, Calvin Ridley, he basically just missed an entire season. We don't hundred percent know why, uh, you know, Michael Gallup, uh, coming off that injury, Chris Godwin coming off that injury, uh, it makes it really tough. There there's one other set of players I kind of want to ask you about, but I'll, we'll go to Fred first with the, with the question we, we threw to him, which is how do Brown, how do the Browns approach some of the players that you might expect to be off the board? Some of the top five guys, uh, do, do they really, you know, do their due diligence there in case they fall or do they focus on people in their range? Well, hopefully you have me now. Um, we do. We're good. The, I think that it, again, it all ties in with the free agency, but all things being equal, it seems to me the hardest thing you've been having to find is defensive ends, edge rushers. Um, and I would say if one of those guys you were mentioning from, you know, Thibodeau or, you know, somebody like that, even if you added, you know, a clown or, or resigned him or something in free agency, um, you can't pass them up. You can't have too many of them, but it's kind of the same way with the wide receiver. It's what do you value? Who is the highest guy you have 
of those guys you're saying passes. If, if a guy's there and you um, have him way better than the wide receiver you were going to take, you take him. That's being true to your board because you have a need at wide receiver, edge rusher, and interior defensive line. I don't know which is the highest value position or what's the hardest. To me, it seems like just in observing, it's harder to many times take out Jamar Chase. I don't remember too many wide receivers coming in and taking the NFL by storm as a rookie. And they need a number one wide receiver right now. I mean, they don't need a guy next year. They need a guy this year. So if who can be the biggest impact could be said the same thing with the edge rusher, maybe the interior defensive lineman can make a bigger impact. I don't know. Whoever they feel is the hardest to come by. But if you go by pay, it's usually the edge rushers or the wide receivers that seem to get the biggest dollar. So that to me would say those are the highest value. So if any of those edge rushers are there right now, I would say that would be where you'd go because I think they're going to, you know, address, you know, in wide receiver, but they could get one or two veterans that are, like you said, second tier wide receivers and go get the, the stud. If they evaluate one of those guys at the top as a stud, number one. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So the position I, I wanted to – I'll throw this to Corey first. The position I wanted to ask about, and we're sticking with A.F. Pierce's question because it's kind of related to that as well. So very good question, A.F. Pierce. Thank you very much. Um, is I think it was the dueling mocks uh, last week. Um, uh, Brent Sobleski, <laughs> I believe, took uh, Iki Ikwani. And then, you know, Evan Neal is the other guy kind of there with uh, Ikwani at the top. Um, we did have the restructure uh, for Jack Conklin, which – uh, basically confirmed that it's a question mark. It took non-guaranteed money and guaranteed part of it, but the other part is playing time incentives. Um, so even if they do believe in Jack Conklin, I think it's likely they probably don't believe in Jack Conklin for the next three, four years. So is that something that maybe Browns fans should start paying attention to? Is that offensive tackle position? Uh, go to you, Corey. I don't think early on. Uh, I mean, Jake wrote on it. Jake did a lot of work on it. I think they like what they have in Hudson and what they saw in Hudson down the stretch. What I could see is, yeah, they might take another developmental dude who has the length, has the athleticism that you just can't, you can't teach and you hope to mold the rest. Uh, I think that could be a potential, a potential route. Maybe even day two, a guy with, you know, who could play tackle or guard. Um, 
one of those those swing guys you can just kind of be plug and play. But I I just I cannot fathom I, I can't see it them going tackle super super early. Um, he, I mean, even day two seems like ah that seems that sounds kind of early um, to me personally. So uh, if they do take a tackle, which they could 100% take a tackle, uh, I would look at a guy like maybe Dari Rosenthal out of Kentucky, who is like six seven with arms the size of vines and can move like none other. He's extremely raw. Uh, isn't, isn't super refined at all, but, but that's a, a massive ball of clay that you say, here you go, Bill Callahan. Can't, you can't teach the stuff he has, teach him what he can't, what he doesn't have. So um, that's kind of what I would say the approach would probably be. Your thoughts, Jake, I, I, based on what you said before, you're thinking wide receiver all the way, but is, is this something that maybe could be considered for the Browns at 13? What was the first part of that? Uh, if, if they'll take somebody else, or what was that? Uh, the the offensive tackles. So uh, you know that that was something that I think got brought up last week. We, you guys in yeah. your mock off season had them losing yeah. Conklin instead. They restructured him, but still potentially a question mark moving forward. Do you think that's that's something? Especially if one of those two big names, uh, Iquanu or Neil, falls to thirteen, is that something they consider? Uh, well, I mean, I think they'd consider it. I think the Conklin signing and and some of the Hudson situation and and we'll see too. I think they might go out and fill another tackle in free agency, a swing tackle. Think Kendall sense. Lamb's type of role um, is a spot I could envision them uh, going out and getting somebody. So like uh, to me, no, I don't feel like that's the angle right now. Uh, but again, if they, you know, if Iquanu is so good for them on their board and uh, um you know, is, is so highly rated for them that they can't pass on him when the time comes or cross. I, I could, I could, I could probably get it, but uh, it's, it's people say don't draft for need, but so, if you're just stocking up on the same position, it, it, it you can't do that. Right. Like yeah. you can't do that. So um, th- there's a balance there. I just don't expect them to go tackle early. I could see it starting maybe on three, but that's just uh that's just me. I think you can attack that later on and try to keep developing who you have and uh, you know be okay. So I think it's that's my. I point. think it's a good point in terms of free right. agency, especially with Conklin. I think that that's something that if I had to pick one thing, the Browns are definitely going to do in free agency. I think they're going to find a swing tackle because you know you, you like Conklin, you want Conklin to be the starter. There's a chance he's not the starter. You want to rely on James Hudson. Uh, you know. You like James Hudson's future potential, but he hasn't shown it at, at the NFL level quite yet. But you did have uh, an article, I believe, uh, last week about uh, James Hudson and Nick Harris. So if anybody's interested in that, feel free to check that out on the website. Uh, Browns by Brad says Jake's rooms decor is uh, disgusting. My comment is, Brad, why are you watching us? Go do networking. There's way yeah, more interesting people yeah. where you are than, than, than us right here. Come on. Come on, Brad. I thought Evan's question there is a pretty good one if you want to attack that, Ian. Uh, that, sure. That's pretty fair. Yeah, that's the question. As we've been basically this whole this whole show talking about defensive end versus wide receiver, uh, and what do you value more? Fifteen sacks or one thousand yards at seven TDs? And you, you know, fifteen sacks maybe you, pressures are a little bit I think more important. Keep pass rush win rate. The raw sack numbers can be a little bit off, but it's just the question: Do you value a defensive end uh, plays at a high level, or do you value a wide receiver that plays at a high level? I, th- I think you have a guy who can get you 15 sacks in a season. He got you 16 last year. That that role is filled. That role's filled. They got a dude. They've re-signed him. He's the face of their franchise. If you look at teammates that can go crazy like that, like look looking at last year's stats, the only guys from a teammate perspective that were double-digit sack guys was uh, 
TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward. Cam Hayward had 10 and TJ had 22 and a half. Like, yeah. So like, you're not talking about, I know pressures that we could deal with that in a different light, but like, you're not getting that from multiple people. So they have one of those dudes. So supplement him with some different guys and, and try to keep solving that with uh, day two picks, uh, second and third round. And, and yeah, I mean, thousand yard rusher, if that's what you're talking about a thousand yards, because I think there are multiple guys and, um, in this draft class who can go get you a thousand receiving yards. I, I value touchdowns at that regard, like get in, find a way to get in the end zone and be the best of both of those worlds between yards and touchdowns. Like there are guys there. They already have a defensive end solved in my opinion with a, with a 15 sack guy. They need another guy like Clowney, right. Who can be a strong side end and play run to pass and do some of those things effectively. But I don't think those are not the guys typically selected at the top of the draft. Those are guys that you find, late first round day two, second and third round types instead of uh, the, the top of the draft. So like I'm trying to find, I, again, I'm not trying to say I wouldn't be fine with doing some different things with the, with the 13th pick, but I mean, I'm trying everything I can to get the right wide receiver sitting there and I can be talked into moving down a little, if you want to move down a little and still take a wide receiver you like, cause maybe you have John Dotson higher than the <laughs> NFL has him, or maybe you have, um, David Bell or somebody like that. I don't know. It's whatever their flavor is. But my point is you got to find explosives. I've been saying it since the end of the year. Can you find explosives on the offense? Cause right now you don't have enough guys that can do it. Two of them are in the backfield and that's it. And then you don't, I mean, David doesn't, David can't, he's not a real burner, but he can get down the field and make plays. But like DPJ a little bit, he started to come on some, but that you can't lean on that, man. You can't lean on it. They don't have explosive creators. So find, uh, find me some of those guys. Yes, yeah, so we got about 10 minutes left. Uh, I'm going to, you know, throw it around the room one more time uh, as the combine is, is getting going. Um, so we'll start with Fred. Fred, number one thing, the next couple of days, the Browns fans should be looking at in the combine. Uh, what is the most important thing uh, that they should focus it on? Well, I mean, obviously if there's news coming out, you know, of the combine, that's where things start to leak, you know, on, I think the, the quarterback dominoes is what everybody's waiting to hear, you know, who's doing what. And unfortunately for the Browns is there's a lot of teams in the same situation looking for quarterbacks, you know, the Steelers because of Ben and Brady leaving. So those two teams are vying for basically any of the available veterans like the Browns might be. And then there's other teams that are looking that might have more draft capital or more ammunition than the Browns do. So those will be, to me, the most important things, if any news. But as they start this process, I agree with Jake. I mean, I disagreed last year. I thought the the Bengals should have protected Burrow, and I thought they made a big mistake passing the tackle and getting the flashy wide receiver. And it showed me what a quarterback and two or three top wide receivers can do because I don't think their offensive line is very good. And yet they, they were very explosive. That's exactly what the Browns have to do is come up with a combination to get explosive. So I would look heavy at those wide receivers. They're going to be interviewed. You're not going to see them work out, but you know, until later in the week, but you're going to have news come out of there from Barry a little bit. Stefanski in the next couple of days and we're going to have reports sometimes the the young kids you know in their excitement slip with little lines that little tidbits they say you know who talked to them and what they said and you know so 
we'll have a lot of those reports coming out and little little nuggets. So just hone in. You'll hear you'll be able to sift out some things, but we'll have it from a Browns angle. Sounds good. Uh, Corey, to you, what is the number one thing uh, people should be watching out for in the combine this week? Yeah, I will say look out for the medicals on Jameis Williams, Drake London, and John Mechie. You throw George Pickens in there too. Pickens played a little bit at the end of the year, but he, he's coming off an ACL as well. So saw Jeremy um, Rucker today, Corey, just because I saw just now not participating. He has a foot oh, sprain, I think I saw. So. Those things will creep up in the coming days here. Yeah, those you know the uh, you'll you'll hear those things like uh, a few years ago it was a uh, Montez Sweat. Uh, they found out he had a heart condition at the combine. Yeah. So like JOK. Uh, yeah. JOK, yeah. Uh, Thank you, combine doctors. Comments. Yeah. So I would say I think Jamison Williams is still very firmly on the table at 13. Um, and if that's the case, uh, hearing how the medicals on that guy go is, is going to be crucial. Um, and then if you are looking for that second wide receiver, if you double up in the top 100, which I think is is very much on the table, then the, the medicals on like a John Mechie, the medicals on a, a George Pickens, they matter. So um, that's kind of what I would what I would say. I think Mechie and Pickens were both guys who were being talked about in the first round before this past year where they had some injury problems. Uh, Jake, same question to you. What is the number one thing to watch uh, for this combine? Uh, if, if you want to grab that text. I want to do that yeah. question in a minute. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a good you, question too. I didn't mean to click on that. I throw that up. But uh, that's a good, good question. We'll get there. Number one thing to watch for the combine, Corey Nail. Just, just things that – we wouldn't otherwise come across, right? Like we're going to get data on some guys. Some guys are going to only want to run at their pro day. I thought some spoiled things happened last year with no combine that guys got better data off pro days. They always get better pro day data. So there's going to be a lot of, I'm just going to run later to the point that in the next five years, I don't think we're going to have a whole combine. Like, I just don't think it's going to happen. People aren't going to think it's worthwhile. Um, other than the the combine will just be like a meeting ground, right? Like where everybody can get with their, the, these players in one spot, but there won't be testing. It feels like guys are going to start testing more at home and they're in their comfortable places because that's where you get the quicker 40 uh, yard dash trigger. Right. Uh, and all of that stuff. So yeah, pay attention to some of those things like big disqualifiers, you know, if say, for example, Drake run if Drake London go, were to run, for example, in this comma, he's not going to run here. I don't think he's not going to do many things. Um, but say he ran a four seven, that would be eye catching, right? Like big outlier data stuff, uh, one way or the other. Or he ran a four four eight or something like that. That's what you're looking for. Things that sway a prospect really, really wide ranges of stuff. Like, uh, and then you got to be careful too, because some stuff matters and some stuff doesn't. Remember DK Metcalf's. Uh, you know, 20 yard or was his short shuttle or something like that, where he, the yeah. three cone, the three cone where he ran worse than Tom Brady, but it doesn't matter. So um, just, just a fun, it's a fun time to get a lot of data on these guys. We'll get more as pro days hit, but you start getting, it's always a fun season when the RAS stuff shows up from math bomb. Ken, Kent uh, gets the stuff thrown up. That's when we can really start to, as the OBR limit, uh, li- break down the group of people we think they'll end up taking because good data right now, right? It's good. It's uh, it's good data we have, but not enough. So once we get more data, we'll be able to tighten that up for you based on the things we know that they're uh, traditionally doing. So yeah, if you want to throw that one from Ty Sox up, we can. Yeah, I thought answer a, that too. It was a great question. I think it's it's something that I've brought up uh, asking I'd love some to people hear. about yeah. like the wide, sorry, uh, like the wide receiver stuff mm-hmm. is you know, how much do they value it? Is there, is because it is the, you know, the zone run offense, you, you have two top 10 running backs in the NFL. Uh, how much do they need a wide receiver? You know, even the best wide receiver 
might struggle to break a thousand yards in this offense. So what's, what's your opinion on that? I, I think, I think I know what it is, but yeah, I'd love to hear Fred answer that one actually. And then, and then go to, to I'll, I'll, I'll sure. finish this beer, whatever goes to our last one, but Fred, sure. go ahead. Fred, Fred, your comment on that. Well, I was going to say in, in regards to the draft, that could be a reason why you want to draft at least two wide receivers, because you might not get free agents wanting to come here because of, the perceived style of the offense, you know, Oh, if OBJ was bad mouth and Devon Miller and he wanted out because it's, you know, that might not be that attractive to, I mean, obviously the money is attractive no matter what, and there's guys that'll take it. We've seen that over the years, but as far as um, I don't know with his, I think that's one of the tasks of, of Stefanski is to, incorporate more explosiveness now i know you guys with the film study have said hey he called the right plays and the players were open and the quarterback didn't hit them you know and it'd be completely different if those guys you know took off and ran for touchdowns so i don't know all the x's and o's on that but i surely hope he realizes that he's got to adapt and be more explosive you know whether it's just the quarterback or whatever but I think that he's smart enough to adapt and to put together, you know, an offense that can be explosive because he talked about it. We have to be more explosive in the passing game. So I would think that that would be one of the major tasks this offseason. Yeah, go, go, Corey, you go ahead, man. What do you think? Yeah, I All would say good. I agree with Fred. I would also say that, like, his one year playing call or calling plays in Minnesota and his two years in Cleveland, you just have to look at the roster construction and realize who the playmakers are on those rosters as well. So in Minnesota, Adam Thielen played, I think seven games. So uh, in every year he's, he's called plays, he's been hamstrung by a significant absence of a, of a wide receiver. So uh, in Minnesota, he's left with just Stefan Diggs and then like guys like BC Johnson and, and Chad Beebe and plays like players like that. And so when we're talking about that and we look at, at Minnesota's roster, Dalvin Cook's your best playmaker. It makes sense that they're going to be a run-first team because Dalvin Cook is their best playmaker. You look at Cleveland and you see OBJ tore his ACL eight weeks into the, the, the first season, and then obviously we know that OBJ wasn't really present this season. So that leaves you with a sixth-round, second-year player, Jarvis Landry, uh, and then like a plethora of niche guys like uh, Rashard Higgins and Anthony Schwartz and Demetric Felton. Of course, you're going to feature your best playmakers, which again are Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So I think Kevin Stefanski is more involved with, I need to get the ball into the hands of my best playmaker and less concerned about what position that playmaker plays, if that makes sense. So yes, they need to significantly upgrade the wide receiver position because there are no explosive playmakers at the wide receiver position. So um, I think he's, he's been working with what he has and working with what he has is my best playmakers are Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So I need to get them. Yeah. I think he inherited those things. He inherited Dalvin. He inherited Nick. He inherited Kareem. He's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't, if he doesn't give the ball to Nick 30 times a game, people seem to hate him. If he throws the football a ton, it's why are you doing this to the quarterback? It's, it's all results driven. All the conversations results driven. If, if, if Stefanski had, um, Zach uh, Singletary and Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Josh Allen, I would probably run my offense through Josh Allen. If he had, um, you know, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd and, and Jamar Chase, he probably would be an 11 personnel all the time. So let's see him get those players. Let's see him get those players, expand wide receiver, 
force him to do it because you have finally provided him that. See if he starts to trust Mayfield or another quarterback that comes in or whatever that that quarterback decision happens to be. Like he, again, is trying to mitigate mistakes and put the football in the hands of his best players as often as possible. Has not been perfect at it. Thought his tight end uh, spread around uh, the tight end situation was wrong. I thought it's flat out wrong that they gave Austin Hooper all of those targets and, and didn't give them to David. There are things to nitpick, but I'm not going to nitpick his personnel until the personnel says I should nitpick it. And right now, it doesn't really say that. It doesn't. So if you want to flip the script and give him three dynamic wide receivers and 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 say, hey, man, you got him. Now you got to use him. Totally cool with that, right? And let's give Kevin a chance to get – either Baker on the right path to, to figure this out or or the quarterback that can unlock more of what he does. Is, is there a difference between LaFleur and Kevin Stefanski other than the guy wearing the jersey at quarterback position? Hell no. There's no proof of that. So let's just, let's just realize this is my goal because I think that play calling is the most over-criticized, least understood thing in football. And maybe well, they just got to run the ball more, Jake. It's, they just have to run the ball. That's it. Com- That's Twitter says run the ball. So. Is conversation is results driven, and most of the people who complain about it base their issues on they've done it on a video game. And I'm not, I'm not I don't mean that to be mean, but like think about the things you make decisions about in a video game uh, or in the backyard when you're playing with your friends. I control whether we run or pass, and I control the the outcome of it. So everyone thinks that they got a little play caller in, in their system, and I'm just telling you, it is hard. It's really hard if the only things that work are the things that you call in the scheme itself. If the Jimmys and Joes don't make plays above and beyond, it's really hard to be a play caller because your mistakes, you call the wrong play at the wrong time into the wrong blitz. It's not you you get no help. You get no help or you or the coverage is perfect. You get no help. So that's something that we overlook is like these hero plays that are made by Josh or 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 uh you know Justin Herbert or these great throws extending plays Joe Burrow Bro, I'm telling you, there's no difference between those guys and Kevin other than that Burrow guided the pocket masterfully, threw a ball down the right sideline, and Jamar Chase tracked it like maybe 2% of NFL players can do or something along those lines. So you've got to put an understanding that the Jimmys and Joes have to make plays or it's infinite, like not all play calling is created equal in the NFL. That's what I'm trying to explain. It's not all created equal. So um, I think if you give Kevin better wide receivers – three of them, he will use them at a higher volume than what he does. Does he not, does he have comfort in using three tight ends in the, in his, his, his understanding and explanation of it is spot on about what it does to personnel on the defensive side of the football. Totally get that. But I think if you give him a means to adapt, he will adapt. I have no doubt. He's way too smart. They're all collectively way too smart. So I'll shut up. It's it's not it's not a it's it's not like that kind of offense you know he's he's got you know he spent some time with Gary Kubiak there's similarities to Shanahan it's not like that type of offense can't produce high volume passing and high efficiency passing you had Peyton Manning in Denver with Kubiak you had Matt Ryan in Atlanta with Shanahan uh, you know the people won MVPs in you know produced you know guys like Demarius Thomas guys like Julio Jones you know it's the offense that has some similarities to what the Browns run can produce that high level passing. It's just not what they do right now. Cause they don't have the personnel. Uh, really fun, uh, really fun show guys. We're a little bit past. Um, so we're going to head out. Uh, I'm going to fire these off in the chat. If you want to know uh, what to, if you want to get up to speed on what the Browns might be doing, what the Browns are going to be looking at, here's two articles. The first from Jake Burns on uh, Nick Harris and James Hudson. 
Uh, so potentially get you up to speed on that offensive line. And then Fred Greetham's grief mangle, six things the Browns need to do to get back into the playoffs. Make sure you check both of those out. Fantastic work on the site. Keep an eye on the site. Keep an eye on Fred Greetham and uh, Browns by Brad on Twitter. They're going to be at the combine, giving you guys all the information that you could want about the Browns. Uh, thank you guys for joining me. I appreciate your time. I appreciate the time of everybody you decided to watch. And uh, I believe tomorrow we've got the dueling mocks, right, Jake? Yes, we will. We'll have that for sure. Absolutely. So we'll have that and then combine coverage on the site. Make sure to stay tuned. Good stuff. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Corey. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.